0: This is Literally everything, everything. everything, everything, If you're like me, you have a pile of books older than your grandma's mom and taller than the Empire State Building just begging to be read. To top it off, you probably add several books to said pile every week, yet somehow find yourself in a reading slump with nothing to read. Uh Uh-huh, I see you. In an attempt to tackle my never-ending pile of books, I decided to start a podcast with hopes of making some sort of dent in said pile, and maybe help inspire your next read. I'm Odell, welcome to Just Read It Already. Welcome back my friends. We are in the final few days of August, which means fall is just around the corner. This makes me super happy because the week that I'm recording this, temperatures were above 100 degrees here in Portland. Hasn't been a bad summer, but we eventually got some of that heat already over it. I am ready for some cool, wet weather. Today, I'll be sharing my thoughts on Case and Calendars, Stars in Your Eyes, Tracy Lang's The Connolly's of County Down, Ralph Vincent's Secrets Never Die, and Robin Harding's The Drowning Woman. But first, let's take a look at the books that may or may not be releasing this week. I feel like these lists change so much, it's hard to say for sure, but eh, worst case scenario, you hear about a book you hadn't heard about before, right? All right, first book is Together We Rot by Skyla Arndt. I reviewed this book on episode 18. It was pretty good. It's a young adult book about a girl who believes a cult was responsible for her mother's death. And one of her childhood friends' father is the leader of said cult. Next is All That We Never Were by Alice Kellen. I reviewed this on episode 20. Wasn't a huge fan of the book. I'll let you decide for yourself. It's a new adult romance It was just okay. Next is Night of the Living Queers. I reviewed this on episode 21. This is a young adult horror anthology that explores how Halloween can be more than just candies and frights, but a night where anything is possible. Also releasing this week is Secrets Never Die, another young adult book by Vincent Ralph. I will review this later on in this episode. Next is Learned by Heart by Emma Donahue, A heartbreakingly gorgeous novel based on the true story of two girls who fall secretly, deeply, and dangerously in love at boarding school in 19th century York. Emma Donahue also wrote the book Room, which was turned into a movie where I believe Brie Larson won an, uh, an Oscar for Best Actress for that. Really good. Looking forward to this one. Next is a Terrace Story by Hilary Leichter. An intimate exploration of time, a fable about love, an epic daydream for a broken-hearted world. Then we have Where Peace Is Lost by Valerie Valdez, a brand new space fantasy novel from master world builder Valerie Valdez, a refugee with a secret, a dangerous foe, and a road trip that could either save a planet or start a war. Where peace is lost, may we find it. Then we have Holler Child by Latoya Watkins, An extraordinary and unforgettable short story collection about community, home, betrayal, and forgiveness. Next is Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. Vampires and vaqueros face off on the Texas-Mexico border in the supernatural western. This was one of my books for my book of the month this month, and I'm super excited. I'm saving it for spooky season, but very much looking forward to that one. Then we have Never a Hero by Vanessa Lynn. This sequel to the contemporary fantasy Only a Monster will take Joan deeper into the monster world where treacherous secrets and even darker timelines await. Then we have The Brothers Hawthorne by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Four brothers, two missions, one explosive read. Jennifer Lynn Barnes returns to the world of her number one best-selling Inheritance Games trilogy, and the stakes have never been higher. Keep meaning to start that series. Need to get on that. Next is The Reunion by Kit Frick. A young adult thriller in the vein of The White Lotus and Karen M. McManus' The Cousins following a doomed family reunion gone wrong at a posh Caribbean resort where old grudges and dangerous secrets culminate in murder. You had me at White Lotus. Next is Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. When a father goes missing, his family's desperate search leads them to question everything they know about him and one another, with a riveting page-turner and a deeply moving portrait of a family in crisis. And last on my list is What Happened on Hicks Road by Hannah Jane. Sadie Oliver is loving her new life in California. For the first time, she has friends and a normal teenage life filled with parties and pranks. But when one of those pranks goes horribly wrong, Sadie hits someone with her car on a dark, winding road. Or at least, she thinks she did. This week I added ARCs of Finding My Elf by David Valdez. Man's Best Friend by Alana B. Little, and The Clinic by Kate Quinn, to my pile. All of these arcs were courtesy of the publishers through NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. Finding My Elf releases in November of this year, and then The Clinic releases in January of 2024. And Man's Best Friend doesn't release until May of 2024. So look for those reviews of these books roughly three to four weeks before their release dates. Alright, time to jump in to the reviews. First on my list is Case and Calendar's Stars in Your Eyes. I received an advanced reader's copy of this book from the publisher through NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. This book will be released on October tenth, 2023 by Forever. The synopsis reads, Logan Gray is Hollywood's bad boy, a talented but troubled actor who the public loves to hate. Maddie Cole is an up-and-coming golden boy, adored by all but plagued by insecurities. When Logan and Maddie are cast as leads in a new romantic film, Logan claims that Matt has zero talent, sending the film's publicity into a nosedive. To create positive buzz, the two are persuaded into a fake dating scheme, but as the two actors get to know their new characters, real feelings start to develop. As public scrutiny intensifies and old wounds resurface, the two must fight for their relationship and their love. A heartfelt, hopeful, and nuanced story about identity, healing, and growth. This was the first book that I've read by this author, and while I liked it well enough, I didn't totally love it. I liked the message and the look at the role that childhood trauma plays in our lives and the effects it has on our relationships, both with ourselves and with others, when we're adults. But after a while, it felt more like I was reading a therapy handbook than a novel. At the heart of the book is Logan Gray, the Hollywood bad boy bogged down by childhood trauma he never addressed and Maddie Cole, a rising star plagued by self-doubt. Logan has had years of acting experience, while Maddie only has a single movie under his belt. He and Logan are supposed to lead what many believe will be the hot ticket rom-com of the year, but can they really pull this off? Logan and his antics are a PR nightmare. After insinuating that Maddie is nothing more than a mediocre wannabe and the sweetheart of the day, The likelihood that the fans will buy into their chemistry on screen is slim to none. So what do we do? The producers dream up a plan to make it look as though Maddie and Logan are dating for real. They give them a timeline and specific dates, plotting when and where they'll be seen together, how they should portray their relationship, and eventually the date that they will break up. The two go along with it, and as one would expect, they begin to see each other for who they really are, and feelings begin to develop. Still, these feelings are complicated by past unresolved traumas, mostly on Logan's side, threatening the relationship's happy ending. The author does a great job at delving into the struggles faced by Logan and Maddie as they navigate their careers, the pressures of fame, the weight of societal expectations, and the backlash from social media. We get dual points of view, alternating between Logan and Maddie, but then peppered amongst the pages are comments from social media posts, Transcripts from YouTube channels, and even some fan fiction about Maddie and Logan. I can see what the author was going for here, and honestly, it kind of worked, though I felt the fan fiction was totally out of place. It just felt really weird. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, here's something you may not expect me to say I wanted a little less drama and some more romance. The tone of the book was much more serious than I expected. That's not really a bad thing. I felt the author handled the topics of childhood sexual abuse very well, did a great job at showing how those unresolved traumas carry over, and can really fuck one up as an adult. While I appreciated the approach, it just started to feel a little too heavy for me after a while. Also, I didn't like that the book was tied up in a pretty little bow at the end. It didn't need that. This is an adult novel. Had the author left us on a hopeful but slightly unfinished note, I think I would have been more on board with it. That said, minor problems aside, the book is entertaining and thought-provoking. I would recommend it to someone who isn't afraid of romance with a side of childhood trauma. I gave this one 3.5 stars on my blog and storygraph, and 3 stars on Goodreads. Next, we'll take a look at The Connollys of County Down by Tracy Lang. This book was first published by Caledon Books on August 1st, 2023, and was my July Book of the Month pick. The synopsis reads, When Tara Connolly is released from prison after serving 18 months on a drug charge, she knows rebuilding her life at 30 years old won't be easy. With no money and no prospects, she returns home to live with her siblings, who are both busy with their own problems. Her brother, a single dad, struggles with the ongoing effects of a brain injury he sustained years ago, and her sister's fragile facade of calm and order is cracking under the burden of big secrets. Life becomes even more complicated when the cop who put her in prison keeps showing up unannounced, leaving Tara to wonder what he wants from her now. While she works to build a new career and hold her family together, Tara finds a chance at love in a most unlikely place. But when the Connolly secrets start to unravel and threaten her future, They all must face their worst fears and come clean, or risk losing each other forever. The Connollys of County Down is a moving novel about testing the bounds of love and loyalty. It explores the possibility of beginning our lives anew, and reveals the pitfalls of shielding each other from the bitter truth. This was my first book by this author, and it won't be my last. I enjoyed the journey Lang takes us on in this book, and I especially enjoyed reading about the complex relationships between the Connolly siblings. Their lives have been filled with struggles and triumphs, and despite it all, and while it's not always apparent, the power of love and loyalty prevailed. Tara Connolly, the story's protagonist, faces the daunting task of rebuilding her life after being released from prison. Tara, who used to be an art teacher, was arrested while transporting drugs for a suspected drug dealer. The cops were sure she had been roped into it and told her that they were willing to give her a plea deal if she would rat him out. However, Tara refused to provide them with the story they wanted to hear, so she was sent to prison. When she's released, she knows it's going to be difficult to integrate back into society, but despite the challenges ahead of her, she is determined to get back on her feet. One of the most impressive aspects of this novel is the depth with which Lang develops the characters. It's not just Tara who struggles. Each member of the Connolly family struggles with their own demons, and Their interactions with one another are at times sweet and heartwarming, and at other times heart-wrenching. Tara's brother, Eddie, is a single father dealing with the aftermath of a brain injury. He is a particularly compelling character. Ling's portrayal of his struggles is incredibly empathetic, making him relatable and endearing. He was probably my favorite character in the book. Then we have Tara's older sister, Geraldine. Geraldine is also a complex character. Since their mother died when they were kids and their father left them, Geraldine has had to take care of her siblings. She's tightly wound and a bit of a control freak, but she has her own issues she's dealing with. Tara's re-emergence into their life upends the balance that she's created, and it has an interesting effect on her day-to-day life as her control unravels. Further complicating things in the Connellys' lives is the emergence of the police officer who arrested Tara. Brian Nichols left a bad taste in all their mouths when he came to the house and arrested Tara in front of her family. And Tara can't understand why he keeps showing up. Is he keeping an eye on her because he thinks she's going to screw up again? Or is there something else at play? Lang skillfully weaves a tale that highlights the resilience of the human spirit, showcasing Tara's unwavering commitment to turning her life around. She's also created characters that are layered and compelling. As the story unfolds, secrets come to light and the Connollys may once again find their family ripped apart. This exploration of the characters' vulnerabilities and the consequences of hiding the truth adds layers of complexity to the plot. Readers will find themselves emotionally invested in the well-being of the Connolly family, rooting for them to overcome their obstacles and find happiness. What I liked most about the book is how Lang delves into the complexities of love and loyalty. She forces her characters to confront their worst fears and face the truth head on. Overall, The Connollys of County Down is a moving and uplifting novel that will resonate with many readers. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone looking for a heartfelt and subjective story about the power of love, forgiveness, and self discovery. I rated this one three and a half stars on my blog and storygraph, and three stars on Goodreads. If you're gasping and wondering why I only rated it 3.5 stars, and I say that because I received several questions on Instagram when I noted that I had only rated it 3.5 stars, even though I liked the book. I want to clarify, it's not a bad book at all. I enjoyed it. I'm not someone who considers 3 stars a bad review. A 3-star book, to me, is still a great book. What gets a book to a 4- or 5-star rating with me is the emotions attached and how I feel after I finish that last page. I enjoyed this book. I enjoyed the character study and the journey the characters went on. I just wasn't left with a huge swell of emotion. I also think that the book was tied up in a pretty little bow and it didn't need that. I felt like I wanted something left more to the imagination. It just would have hit harder for me. I'd also like to note that I've read a ton of books this year, so I feel like my baseline has expanded, so I'm finding myself rating books a little lower than I may have five or six months ago. I just have more to compare to now. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Next, we'll take a look at Secrets Never Die by Vincent Ralph. This book releases on August 29th, 2023 by Wednesday Books. I received an advanced reader's copy of this book from the publisher through NetGalley in exchange for an honest review. The synopsis reads, Every year, Sam Hall and his friends hold funerals for their secrets in an abandoned hut in the woods that they call the Dark Place. But this year, their secrets are coming back from the dead to terrorize them. Sam is a former child star whose career went up in flames, literally. And no one, not even his best friend, knows why. His friends each hold a secret pertaining to that night. A secret they would all like buried. Now someone from the past is blackmailing them with their dangerous secrets. Sam isn't sure who he can trust, who's watching him, or how far he's willing to go to bury the past once and for all. After reading the synopsis, I was excited to check out this book and find out what these dirty secrets were that this friend group was hiding. Unfortunately, the book as a whole left me feeling a little underwhelmed. I went into this one expecting an edge-of-your-seat thrill ride, but what I got was more like the kiddie coaster ride. The storyline centers around a group of friends who, every Halloween, hold funerals for their secrets in an abandoned hut called The Dark Place. When the book begins, the friend group prepares for their annual ritual, and when it's time to go spill the beans, something goes horribly wrong. When the main character, Sam, goes into the dark place to confess, he hears loud thuds coming from outside. When he goes to investigate, he and his friends find the abandoned cabin covered in blood, and screams tear through the surrounding forest. The next day, someone begins to send messages to the friend group. These messages start off taunting and then become increasingly threatening. Soon, the threats extend to their immediate families. Sounds creepy, in concept, right? Unfortunately, the execution of this concept fell flat for me. This left me underwhelmed. The opening scene at The Secret Place was pretty intense, and after reading that, I was super excited for what lie ahead. Sadly, the intensity in this scene didn't carry forward through the rest of the book. One of my biggest problems with the book was the characters, particularly the protagonist, Sam. I didn't find Sam sympathetic. And the other characters in the book felt like a caricature. There was a lack of depth which failed to elicit any real connection or empathy from me. I was never fully invested in their experiences or their struggles. I also felt the plot itself was riddled with clichés and predictable twists. The notion of secrets coming back from the dead to terrorize the characters is hardly original. The blackmail angle felt forced and, again, unoriginal. Also, the secrets were very benign, and when the reveal finally happened, all I could think was, wait, that's your dark secret? Now, on the other hand, the reason as to why the big bad was after them actually made sense to an extent. I can see why what happened to the villain would elicit revenge, I just felt like the revenge plot was disjointed and not as strong as it could have been. If it's not obvious, I was disappointed in this one. From one-dimensional characters to a lackluster plot, the book failed to deliver on its creepy promise. For those seeking a thrilling and engaging read, I would recommend looking elsewhere. The best I could give this one was two stars. We will close out with a look at the twisty, turny, The Drowning Woman by Robin Harding. This book was first released on June 13, 2023 by Grand Central Publishing and was one of my Ardvark book club picks for July. The synopsis reads, Lee Gulliver never thought she'd find herself living on the streets. No one ever does. But when her restaurant fails and she falls deeper into debt, she leaves her old life behind with nothing but her clothes and her Toyota Corolla. In Seattle, she parks in a secluded spot by the beach to lay low and plan her next move, until early one morning, she sees a sobbing woman throw herself into the ocean. Lee hauls the woman back to the surface, but instead of appreciation, she's met with fury. The drowning woman, Hazel, tells her that she wanted to die, that she's trapped in a toxic, abusive marriage, that she's a prisoner in her own home. Lee has thwarted her one chance to escape her life. Out of options, Hazel retreats to her gilded cage and Lee thinks she's seen the last of her until her unexpected return the next morning. Bonded by disparate but difficult circumstances, the women soon strike up a close and unlikely friendship, and then one day, Hazel makes a shocking request. She wants Lee to help her disappear. It'll be easy, Hazel assures her, but Lee soon learns that nothing is as it seems, and that Hazel may not be the friend Lee thought she was. This book is gripping and thought-provoking and kept me on the edge of my seat from start to finish. The book is split into four parts and an epilogue, with parts 1 and 3 told from the point of view of Down On Our Luck Lee, and parts 2 and 4 told from the drowning rich woman Hazel's viewpoint. To say I gasped and may have felt the floor sway beneath my feet at the very end of part one is not me being overdramatic. I seriously said holy shit out loud. Took my breath away. Once I re-centered myself, I continued to read until I finished the book. It was that good. I finished it in one night. I've read a few books this year that incorporated the COVID pandemic into the plot. And until I got to this book, I was so not into that plot point. Maybe because it's still too fresh in my mind and I'm not ready to revisit the fear and isolation that the pandemic brought about. What I liked about this book, though, is that the pandemic is what led Lee to be homeless and on the run. And that's all we hear about the pandemic, which for me was a good thing. Before the pandemic, Lee owned her own restaurant in Manhattan. It was very upscale and doing well, but then the pandemic hit, and as most restaurants did at that time, it folded. Lee owed a loan shark a hefty sum of money that she couldn't pay back, so she had to go on the run, finally settling in Seattle, which was as far as she could go without leaving the country. Lee lives out of her car, works at a seedy diner, hoping to one day be able to pull herself out of poverty and start over. One day, she awakens in her car to the sounds of a woman sobbing. She watches the woman as she walks out into the Pacific Ocean and then goes under. Lee's instincts kick in and she jumps into the ocean, barely rescuing the woman. The woman isn't happy about being rescued, and after she calms down, Lee learns that the woman is in an abusive relationship that she feels she can't escape. The two begin to develop a friendship that, much to Lee's chagrin, turns deadly for both of them. Harding's writing style is immersive and engaging. We feel the desperation that both women face, from Lee's experiences on the seedy side of Seattle to Hazel's luxurious but dangerous life in her mansion. One of the standout aspects of this novel is the complex and nuanced portrayal of the friendship between Lee and Hazel. Despite their vastly different backgrounds, the bond that forms between them is hopeful, but has a sense of distrust and danger smoldering beneath it the entire novel. You want to believe that they have each other's best interests at heart, but with everything in their lives working against them, it's difficult to trust anyone. As the story unfolds, the tension steadily builds as Lee becomes entangled in Hazel's plan to escape her abusive marriage. With every turn of the page, the stakes get higher, leaving us on the edge of our seats, eagerly devouring each chapter to uncover the truth. I was impressed with the author's ability to create flawed and multi-dimensional characters. Both Lee and Hazel are deeply flawed individuals, yet their vulnerabilities and strengths shine through, making them relatable and sympathetic, even though you're never really sure you can trust them. This depth of character development adds an extra layer of authenticity to the story and made it all the more impactful. And then there are the known villains of the story that just keep getting worse as the book goes on. Overall, this was an exceptional novel that combined gripping storytelling and compelling characters, as well as thought-provoking themes and a constant underlying sense of danger. If you're looking for a thrilling and emotionally resonant read, this book is definitely for you. I gave it 4.5 stars on Storygraph on my blog and 4 stars on Goodreads. all right that's all i have for you today just want to remind you for more up-to-date bookish news be sure to follow me on instagram at just pod and please come back next week when i share my thoughts on nikki Ehrlich's the measure tim murphy's speech team frida mcfadden's one by one and sarah j ma's house of earth and blood i'll see you then have a great week